Today's episode is sponsored by Alliance Leisure, the UK's leading leisure development specialist. Over the last 30 years, Alliance has worked with numerous local authorities to design and develop community sustainable leisure environments that encourage active lives, promote community cohesion, and tackle health inequalities. With a diverse portfolio of more than 220 leisure developments ranging from single site projects to multi-million pound complete leisure portfolio transformations, Alliance Leisure Services can be procured through the UK Leisure Framework. The framework is open to all public sector organisations in the UK. For more information, visit allianceleisure.co.uk. Welcome back. And it's a really exciting start to 2024. And as we look at the start of this year, I'm delighted to have Julie McEver, Corporate Director of Local Partnerships, LLP, to talk to me about a topic that I think those of you at home will find truly interesting. And actually, I think their approach inspirational. We are never going to have a completely uh, stationary um, business unit. We're never going to be able to avoid the fact that change is a constant variable. And therefore, we need to be getting more comfortable with change as a process. Julie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How are you today? I'm very good. Thanks, Matt. Nice to be here and uh, Happy New Year. (laughs) Happy New Year to you too. So for those listening at home, would you mind please giving us a bit of background as to what your role is at the organisation and also a bit about your journey to getting to this point? Absolutely. Thank you. Um, so I'm Julie McEver, as as Matt has introduced me. Um, I've been with Local Partnerships since it started. Um, I actually worked for one of our predecessor organizations. So Local Partnerships actually is a joint venture itself. We are owned by the Local Government Association, uh, HM Treasury, and the Welsh Government. And I worked for one of the predecessor organizations that fed back into the Treasury, what was known as Partnerships UK way back in the day. So I joined Local Partnerships in 2009 when it started, and I have seen it sort of grow and develop over its last, uh, how many years? Almost 15 years now, I can say, right? So that we've been around. My role now as corporate director is responsibility for two out of our three business units. So we have um, a climate business unit, a commercial business unit, and a place business unit. And we have a couple cross unit services, assurance and data analytics. I have responsibility for commercial place and assurance within my remit. So that is overseeing the work that we do, where we're going with it, the resources behind it. But also I do deliver the projects as well. So within local partnerships, um, it's really I feel it's very important to still have my hands dirty, for lack of a better word. And I do a lot of work with um, both central and local government on setting up new entities and facing a lot of the commercial challenges challenges, but also looking at how they can place shape in a better way, et cetera. So I do delivery, but a lot of my work is also corporate um, as well. Off air, we've spoke a lot about this, um, the theme of today's conversation, the fact that uh, the only constant is change. Can you give us a bit of background as to what this phrase means to you and what you think it means to local government? Absolutely. I mean, I as I was reflecting on on speaking with you, Matt, and and knowing that a couple of my colleagues have already spoken. So you've you've met with our chief exec um, Adele, and you've met with one of my uh, fellow corporate directors, Rosie Pearson. And I was reflecting on what they had shared with you um, 
in their podcast and was thinking about, okay, well, some of the challenges that I'm seeing from a commercial and a place perspective uh, that are faced by local government, the one thing that is without a doubt the same reality is that everything will always be different. And as we face the new year and looking forward, um, there is probably political change uh, with a capital P on the horizon and um, there will be uh, a general election and we may and, and there's always change that's going on. And then when I was reflecting on what I see day to day with from my colleagues, from the projects that I undertake, is that every project we undertake is different. Um, it's bespoke. It's, you know, they underline similar areas. So it could be we're reviewing a business case or it could be we're helping to develop a business case. It could be about setting up a new commercial entity. It could be reviewing an existing entity. But the one thing that is constant is change, is that what worked yesterday is not going to work today and it's not going to work tomorrow. So we have to be resilient. We have to be ready to adapt and be agile, um, which I know sometimes is difficult at a local government perspective or, or, or at that level, shall we say. And we need to be flexible. We need to be open-minded. We need to be resilient because everything will continue to change. Some things stay the same, but a lot of things change. How much do you think um, being able to adapt and respond to change is a mindset and how much do you think of it is a more of a technical training that someone needs to undertake and have that kind of um, purposeful practice around uh, adapting to change? It's a great question. I mean, it's probably, I, I know this will be the consultant answer, right? It's a little bit of both. <laughs> um, but I truly think it is because some people are really comfortable with change and that's always where they've they've come from that's where they're comfortable they like the new challenge that it brings they want to problem solve and you know problem solvers and i classify myself as one of them i'm faced with a problem and i want to find a solution whatever the might right solution might be i will have a toolkit to work with that will like help me come up with the right solution i hope but we get it wrong and it's being willing to fail fast and then to move on from that um there are people that are less comfortable with change. And I think that that's where, you know, is it a mindset that can be trained? I, I don't know. I think it's a combination of natural instinct. It's like, is it, what is the, I can't remember the right phrase. Is it, is it nature or nurture, right? You know, when you think of, of children, um, you know, how much has come from who they are underneath it or how much have they grown and developed? And I think the same thing is true with change. I think we're all capable of adapting to change because we all change, right? I mean, we grow, we develop, we were children, we're adults, we're elderly, et cetera. And those things happen and those things happen naturally, but some are more accustomed to the way things are done. And it's more comfortable this way that we've already always done it. So I think it's a combination of both, but I think we also need to acknowledge when there are people who are more comfortable with change versus those who are less and those who might lead the change initiatives um, as opposed to those who are part of the team who will help take it forward, but may not be the leaders, if you if you know what I mean. In the sector at the moment, and again, you have a really um uh, almost a unique perspective and a privileged position to be able to see what's happening at a macro and micro level at both local and central governments. You know, across the sector at the moment, there is a overwhelming desire for change to take place in terms of the funding settlements, in terms of, you know, the kind of uh, review of adults and children, in terms of the cost implications of that and how the overall structure works. 
What's the hardest thing about, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to get at is when we look at there is so much change that needs to happen to facilitate uh, the best or the optimal service delivery, what's the starting point? Another really good question, Matt. So I, I appreciate this on a, on a Monday. <laughs> Challenging so conversations. No, 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 absolutely. And I think, you know, on one hand, it will differ depending on the area, right? So every authority is different. And we've got county councils, we've got district councils, we've got unitaries, we've got, you know, you could go into all, you know, parish, et cetera. But what's what's really interesting is each area is different and right now you have a push for some of these new unitaries to come up and i know you've had some recent podcasts around that which are fascinating to hear what the challenges are of bringing together what were formerly counties and districts into one but then there's also opportunity there that they can collaborate better because they're all under for lack of one term you know better term a roof right one roof even though it may have been different roofs etc and and i think it will really will depend on each of the areas uh, where you come from. So the starting point is really knowing your own challenges, knowing what are you facing now? And let's be honest, it's a long list and there has to be a priority to it because none of us can do everything that we need to do within the time that we have available. And it's prioritizing that list and then thinking about what can you do yourselves and what do you need others to help you with? And that could be others you know, across your organization. It can be collaborating with partners because we know local government has done so much to work with uh, community enterprises more, to work with their local areas in better ways and key people, key stakeholders across their areas. That is something that I think the pandemic brought out quite a lot. And I think people don't want are not are doing everything they can to not lose that, which I think is really important. But the first point for me is really know what your issues are. What are your big priorities? And then the next stage is, OK, what can we do and where do we need help? There is so much that you personally do in the organization local partnerships does in terms of supporting and and kind of um providing the the training and the documentation around how organizations can develop that resilience um to, to kind of ever-changing world can you give a bit more context around that for those in the home that maybe aren't aware of all that information and support that's available absolutely so one of the things that we have really done um uh, put a huge amount of effort into over the last year is developing a number of toolkits and guidance and resources. So part of local partnerships remit because of how we're owned, you know, we're, you know, of the sector for the sector, central government, local government owned, that we share our intellectual property. It is not for us just to hoard and then resell or repackage in a different way. We do as much as we can to put everything that we learn, the knowledge that we have out of freely available. So we've recently, as in, I think last week, it may have exactly been four days ago, we went live with our commercial guidance and toolkit. And there will be a webinar um, at the very beginning of, of February on that. So that one we've just put out. And that has taken a lot of time to pull together, really thinking about all of the commercial challenges, commercial strategies, commercial entities, what do, do authorities need to, to consider? And it's a quite an interactive toolkit that we've developed. That went live last week. Just before Christmas, we launched um, something around project management offices. And again, another toolkit around, or guidance actually, um, around some work that we had done uh, earlier in the year. And of course we genericize because you know, where we can, we will reference specific councils, but sometimes it is about you know, just the general learning that we've had. 
Um, we've also gone live relatively recently with temporary accommodation model. We updated our housing delivery vehicles toolkit. We've got the CEO blueprint and we did a webinar. And I know you've got a podcast with one of my colleagues, um, I think in February on that. We did a webinar around the sourcing playbook. So for those who have seen that central government set of documentation that's been adapted for local government, we've done some webinars around it. We do a lot of work around business process mapping, and that's really popular, and that's a, a toolkit that gets lots of hits off of our website. Um, we've also had a webinar right uh, earlier in December around leveraging data and visualization for informed decision making in plain English, using data to make decisions, <laughs> um, prioritizing housing pipelines, KPIs for procurement. Those are all separate toolkits and guidance, domestic retrofit, LATGO guidance, and I think I've now gone back only to September. And all of those are live on our website because we want to share that knowledge. We want to make sure that authorities are able to access the information to move themselves forward or to ask us more questions and have us come and help if we can. That's absolutely amazing. And where does your passion come from, Julie? Because you're so passionate, so much energy that comes from you. Where does that stem from? I want to make a difference in the world. And that's really what it comes from. I started my career um, in the private sector. I was uh, in training and development for a small company based in Philadelphia. Um, I'm originally, as you can tell, from, from North Wales, I like to say, but actually from um, San Francisco in California. <laughs> um, and for me, it was always, I started off in training and development and I was like, but okay, that's great. It's helping people grow, but the outcomes are so far down the road. Like, did they learn something from it? And I then, um, from there, I went to work in the tech industry in, in Silicon Valley um, at Sun Microsystems, a huge organization. Again, great. And I could really tell you what I did. We helped to build big servers, <laughs> which, okay, on one hand, I wasn't hammering the nails, trust me. Um, I was dealing with marketing and 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 that kind of area. And it's great because that enables all that technology enables all the great things that we're all able to do today. But it was really hard for me to get my head around it. And then I moved um, after going to a small entrepreneurial company back in training and development. I moved to the nonprofit world and I worked for Unlimited, the Foundation for Social Entrepreneurs uh, here in, in London. And their remit was very much about changing the world one person at a time. And we awarded money to individuals, social entrepreneurs that want to do things better in a different way. And I loved that. It was truly about making a difference in the world by investing in individuals one at a time. And then from there, uh, New Philanthropy Capital, which was where um, philanthropy can be better used. It's a it's a it's a philosophical think tank. And and at one point was advisors to high net worth individuals where they could put their money if they wanted to donate to make the biggest impact. And then from there, I made my way into local partnerships and worked on the social enterprise investment fund initially. So brought my public sector, my private, sorry, my private sector and my nonprofit social enterprise together into the public sector, helping health and social care new entities set up under what was the right to request and right to provide policies way back in 2009, 2010. And for me, it's about making a difference. And I think that working at local partnerships, working with central government and local government, I can make a difference to what happens for all of us on a day-to-day -day basis. And public services from everybody that you've done your podcast with will say to you, it's where you can make such a big impact. So my passion comes from, I wanna make the place a 
the world a better place. I have two children, you know, who are ones at university, the other one a few years off from that. And I just want them to have a good life. I love that. And I also love the fact that when you've got an organization, lo- local partnerships, it, when your senior leadership team and all the people that I've met there, you all bring your own journeys, you all bring your own experiences. And that forms a really, I think, a nuanced part to the, the documents and the support that you provide to your customers, because you're not just saying I've worked you know, one kind of vertical, you've worked across everything in different countries, you know, you've met different people. And I think that's just such a wonderful thing. My last question comes down to the challenges that there is obviously, there are a number of challenges across a number of different spheres. And obviously you look after, you know, place commercial and assurance. What are the main, what are the challenges that you hope to see the the biggest changes in 2024 um, in, in kind of the local government system? Oh, see, another very good question, Matt. <laughs> Um, There's a lot. I think that at the highest level, it's around that capacity within local government to get everything done. But then it's very much in parallel with the um, the knowing your capability, knowing what your priorities are for the area and being not trying to do everything, because let's be honest, we can't do everything. There's not enough hours in the day. There's not enough people uh, within the public sector to get all of the issues sorted. So where can we, I'll use an American phrase, get the biggest bang for the buck, right? So, I mean, it's where, where can we really focus? And this year, um, you know, there are massive budget constraints. We know that there's been a lot of Section 114s, you know, that that are issued and, and maybe more to come. And we, you know, we need to understand what's driving that for your local authority. Where are your financial pressures coming from and what support can you get to fix that or to move yourselves in the right direction? And I think part of it is being really open and honest with what you can and can't do. It's coming back to that whole capacity, but also what capability you have and taking that challenge from others. It is so difficult in the public sector to say, oh, we got that wrong. Let's move here and we'll try to get it right. And that humility I think individuals definitely have, but it's so hard to say that as a as a sector. You know, we need to pivot from A to B or whatever it might be. I'd like to see more of that. We know that there are challenges around procurement and contract management and outsourcing um, on the commercial side of things, and 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 I think that will continue to happen. Uh, I hope that we don't have. I think that things are in place now. The infrastructure is in place now to hopefully stand local government in good stead. If if a large supplier were to have trouble, et cetera, given what we've learned before. But that will still be an issue in those areas. And I think, you know, on the place side of things, that whole developing and shaping place to be the best for its people, again, that's different. There's not one model to that. So for each place to really understand what matters to them, what's most important to them, how can they develop, whether it be the infrastructure, whether it be some of the digital transformation that's going on, whether it be, um, you know, coming back to suppliers and and contract management, whatever it might be, health and social care, you've mentioned, you know, of course, we know that those pressures are there. I think part of it for me is just that honesty. Um, I'd like to see in that, you know, real 
commitment to make a difference and to move things forward. I mean, the, the one business unit I'm not responsible for, but we do a lot of work and it overlaps with both commercial and place is climate. And and those challenges are are huge, you know, within the space. And we do work with both in waste, uh, resource efficiency, circular economy and climate response, adaptation, uh, et cetera. And all of that will come to play. But it's all about what is most important priority wise for your area within local government. And I think that's where I'd love to see, you know, the focus and that, you know, real clarity and honesty about what each area wants to do and, and how they're going to do it. I love that. I love that. And I know I said it was the last question, but my final question is and it's more of a summary. In your opinion, in a sentence or two, how would you summarize high performance within local government in adapting to change? You know, I'm a talker. So one sentence, I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> you could do in more than one, one sentence, sentence if you want to. So I think it's about leadership. It's about something I've probably said a few times now is like being very clear with where you want to go, but be flexible and open-minded. None of us can do this alone. So working with, surrounding yourself with the right people to get that done, your senior team, your consultants, your the, your advisors, who you go to, who you chat with, and making, because that's how you're going to bring about change, is batting those ideas around, giving yourself time and space to think and also to be challenged, I think is how I would sum it up. And that's how you can make sure that change will continue to happen. Hopefully, it'll happen in a good way. Julie, it's been absolutely lovely talking to you. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Today, we've been speaking with Julie McKever, Corporate Director at Local Partnerships LLP, who has been championing and giving a really, really powerful insight into how, as a sector, we need to be comfortable with change because it is always going to be there. Um, I'd like to extend a, not only a gratitude to Julie for coming on the podcast, but also for the amazing work her and her team do in supporting local authorities and central government across the UK. And for those at home, please reach out to local partnerships if you are working in local authority or central government and you think that they could support you and look at some of the documents they are producing because they generally are really, really powerful. Um, they're really high quality. And uh, as Julie talked about there, there is a real opportunity for collaboration and some honesty and authenticity around how we move forward as a sector. So thank you for listening. I look forward to speaking with you soon. Today's episode is sponsored by the UK Leisure Framework, the UK's only dedicated leisure framework. The UK Leisure Framework allows for the direct appointment of a development partner for scoping, design and construction of leisure centres and sports facilities. The framework is available to all UK public sector organisations and has completed over 100 projects to date. For more information, visit leisureframework.co.uk.